Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pencil will. He tapped it deprecatingly, gingerly with his eyeglasses. Is so obvious a forgery to an attorney, of course, that I have given it too little consideration. Mr. Stenographer, be so good as to read the last question. I won't answer it, she cried. I have answered it. She looked as though she could no longer contain herself. She half rose from her chair as though determined to fall upon her tormentor, but she sat down quickly, both hands at her heart. The heart pose, McGowan called it. Thank you, thank you. Brockington was gracefully oblivious. He waved the shorthand man into silence and waved the quite unnecessary question. Mrs. Dilworth, kindly tell the court and the jury in what room you were when Mr. Albert Dilworth wrote this alleged will. I was in my bedroom. Mrs. Dilworth's voice was low, even weak. Was it rage or really heart trouble? And he, Mr. Albert Dilworth, was in the sitting-room beyond. An open archway between? An open archway between. You say you were ill at the time. I was ill. My baby was a few days old. Ah, the little fellow. Hold the child up, if you please, Mrs. Sennett, that the jury may see him. It was Brockington's ostentatious way of calling Cochrane's attention to the fact that he did not fear little Jim's influence. Mrs. Sennett, if you please. But Mrs. Sennett did not please. It was evident in a moment to us reporters who knew her that Mammy didn't even please to be conscious of Mr. Brockington's presence, and that she was determined to be deaf to his voice. Mrs. Jim interposed, a smile in her voice at her nurse's partisanship. It must have been sweet to her. She was so alone, while surrounding and upholding Mrs. Muriel was a group of ultra-respectables, women who were good form personified, good form in morals, in manners, in costume. "'That's the child, Mr. Brockington,' Mrs. Jim said with a sneer. "'The jury has seen him all right. Baby Jim.' "'What? Mom?' It was Jim's clear little trill. The child, hearing his name, had piped out the query, and the woman on the stand smiled back at him responsively, but putting a finger to her lip. I swear she was positively sweet in that minute. "'Look, Frankie, look,' I whispered. "'Look at her now and see if your saintly Mrs. Muriel is half as much a woman.' 
but Brockington had begun again. "'You swear, madam, that you saw Mr. Albert Dilworth write this, uh, will?' There was delicate unbelief in Brockington's tone. "'No, I don't. I swore that he sat writing something in my sitting-room when—' "'Pardon me. With a pencil, Mrs. Dilworth? Mr. Albert Dilworth writing with a pencil a formal document of this sort?' It was a strain to put one's credulity to, to fancy that hard-headed, highly respected martinet, Albert Dilworth, doing anything so informal and irregular as making a pencil will. "'I—I I couldn't see what he was writing with,' she answered resentfully. He was writing something, and when he had finished he came in to me. "'Precisely. And where were you?' "'I have told you.' she exclaimed explosively. I was in bed in my bedroom. Mr. Brockington paused to place his eyeglasses carefully on his nose. It was an old trick of his to postpone and to accentuate a situation. He knew every eye was upon him. You say, Mrs. Dilworth, that Mr. Albert Dilworth came into your bedroom, where you lay with your infant, and that he told you of the will he had made? He didn't say will. He said, Don't worry about the boy, Etta. I have provided for him. Did he say why? Why? The color left her face. She was ghastly pale. Why he should provide for another's child? She came back at him quick, then. She was not a cruel woman, though she was almost everything else that a woman wouldn't want to be but she had suffered too much to let this chance pass. "'He was childless and very lonely,' she said slowly. She didn't need to turn her eyes toward the side where Mrs. Muriel sat. A sixth feminine sense must have made her aware that she had pierced the one vulnerable spot in her enemy's armor. Brockington looked at the witness almost admiringly. He had known Mr. Albert Dilworth, the conventional, the conservative, cold-blooded banker. Of such depths of sentiment no one had suspected him. He would have smiled himself at the picture Mrs. Jim's words called up. It was nonsense, of course. Even the judge passed a discreet hand over his incredulously upturned lips. But she perjured herself like a goose, and then went on like a woman to make it thorough. He was very, very fond of children, she continued sentimentally. Etta, he said as he came in from the sitting-room, all my married life I have longed for a son. I'll take care of yours now. But retribution came quick in the very moment of her triumph. Mrs. Dilworth, Brockington pounced upon her in a flash. I call your attention to page 15 of the transcript of your testimony and that you testify that Mr. Albert Dilworth said to you, Don't worry about the boy, Etta, I have provided for him, and that he said not one word more, not one word more. Her eyes flew to her attorney. Cochrane had been doing everything short of shouting to her to attract her attention, but in her ecstasy of revenge she had forgotten him. It was too late now. Madam, persisted Brockington, May I ask you to explain the discrepancy? She thought for a moment. She was not a stupid woman, but when her emotions were aroused she saw things cloudily. 
"'If it please the court,' began Cochrane, sparring for time. But Brockington wouldn't have it. He fought then earnestly, no play-acting about it, and he won his point. "'I—I I was wrong, then,' Mrs. Jim faltered at last. "'When, pray?' "'The first time. He did say that about being childless.' "'Then you deliberately deceived the court and this jury in a most important particular. "'Madam, do you know the penalty of perjury?' "'I object.' "'Cochran jumped to his feet, dancing with impatience, with apprehension. "'He made quite a little speech, then, did Cochran, in his own atrocious style, "'and Brockington said never a word in answer, only waited a bit too politely, "'and noiselessly snapping his fingers, a habit of his.' for the judge's decision. Then he resumed. "'Mrs. Dilworth, why did you conceal these facts, these remarks of Mr. Albert Dilworth, to you?' For a moment she looked at him warily. Then something occurred to her. "'I left that out,' she said sweetly, "'to spare Mr. Dilworth's widow. I thought it would hurt her.' "'She was quite right. It would. It did.' Mr. Dilworth's widow's bonnet sank as though with a weight, and the lorgnette she was holding to her short-sighted eyes fell with a click. Brockington saw the movement out of the corner of his eye. It was the first time his client had flinched. "'Is this the truth this time?' he asked unpleasantly. "'Or will this, too, be amended later?' Again her lawyer came to Mrs. Jim's rescue. She needed him. Her color was rising, and all the storm signals flew from her flashing eyes. "'And why, Mrs. Dilworth, does your gracious forbearance end now?' Brockington asked, when things were quiet again. "'Why do not the same reasons still hold good as to sparing the lady?' There was a silence, tense and anxious. What would she say? What could she say? Her eyes fell. She bit her lip. She began to speak, then fell silent. 